Hello, and welcome to the Tom's Hardware Show. I'm your host, Sharon Harding, and today we're talking about the new Radeon RX 6700 XT with Sapphire. Yeah, so we are live and taking questions from the audience. So if you have anything you'd like to ask, as always, just drop the question into the chat on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll try to discuss it on air. So joining us today from Sapphire Technology is North American PR rep Ed Chrysler. How are you, Ed? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing great. Really glad to have you with us. And of course, we couldn't talk about a new graphics card without our senior graphics guru at Tom's Hardware, Jared Walton. What's up, Jared? Not much. I'm just uh, trying to turn on Radeon Boost to help me get through the week. <laughs> Does it work on you? A GPU <laughs> editor boost. Hey, well, Jared, I gotta, I gotta ask: Did your door automatically close? <laughs> no, that was me reaching over and sliding. Okay, I, I, I was like, "This is Star thing. Trek door." <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> All right, so let's get right into it. Uh, Jared, you just posted the review of the 6700 XT. What are your, you know, overall impressions? Um, it's shockingly, I, I mean, like no one saw this one coming six months away. It sold out in <laughs> seconds, right? Like no one I know managed to get one. Um, you know, if you if you look at MSRPs, it's like here's the 3060 Ti at 400, here's the 3070 at 500, and the the 6700 XT comes in twenty dollars below the 3070. Um, honestly, I feel like it's a better match against the 3060 Ti. Like it it wins more in performance there, and you know you got to give. NVIDIA's got DLSS. It's got better ray tracing performance. Those aren't huge things, right? But I'm like, are they 5%, 7% worth more? Um, I think they are. So I think I think if you're at like the 3060 Ti comparison level, it's, it's a good competitor there. Um, but it costs more, so it's not really at that level. But then you look at the street prices, the retail market, and it's like, it doesn't even matter. Who cares about pricing right now? Like you can't buy any of these cards. They're all sold out. They all cost, I mean, Newegg has 30, uh, has 6,700 XTs listed at, I want to say up to $800, some, something in that range. And they're all still sold out. So um, price is not really anything to worry or well it's it's something to worry about but it the official prices are just a joke right now because no one's selling at those prices i think i think nvidia maybe kicks out like three a day or something at at their msrps and then the rest go to add and partners so you know on on the theoretical pricing level i i would say normally it would be priced maybe a little bit higher relative to the competition but um if you can find one right now at at the anything close to $500, really, it's a good card. Uh, performance is, I want to say, I, I don't have my charts right in front of me, but I think it's like 30% faster than the previous Gen 5700 XT. Um, and it costs, you know, theoretically $80 more than the previous Gen card did. So it's a good boost in performance. You've now got extra features like, uh, besides ray tracing, you also have newer fidelity fx stuff coming um like super resolution uh you've got 
Radeon Boost is relatively new. I, I guess, I don't know, it's been out for a year, maybe? Maybe not even that, but uh, uh, Sapphire's card, you know, Sapphire uses Fidelity FX CAS algorithm, their um, contrast aware sharpening plus image, what, uh, image, what's, what's the name? Ed, <laughs> image right resizing something. Uh, oh, anyway, oh. they use that. Um, I, I know what you're talking about. It's part of the for? Radeon, I can't think. Yeah, Radeon image sharpening. That's what it's called. Yeah. RIS. So they they combine. Sapphire uses RIS tech plus CAS to um, allow you to upscale using their their Sapphire trick software, which is a pretty cool trick. Um, you know, so it's like, hey, guess what? If you set your resolution ten percent lower than native than native or whatever rendering resolution you're targeting, you can get a 10, 15% boost in performance. And honestly, you probably can't tell the difference unless you're like freeze framing everything and swapping between the images and going, oh yeah, I think it looks a little bit blurrier when I use the upscaling. So it's, it's dynamic resolution stuff, except it's not dynamic. I think, Ed, are you guys working on a dynamic mode of that or I guess, I no, mean, AMD's got their Radeon. No, to be uh, honest, I'm glad we're not. Um, dynamic modes sound really cool. And by the way, I'm going to go back to something you said. You you said it's a pretty neat trick. Consider DLSS a pretty neat trick? Yep. Okay, because I want to make sure we're on the same page here. <laughs> um, I, I'm amazed. You remember NVIDIA had this big fit at some reviewers because they weren't talking about DLSS in everything. Um, you know what? If you're using a Sapphire card and you're not using Trix Boost, I think you're missing out. Uh, unlike LSS, unlike any dynamic solution that changes things take place, um, our software sets a custom resolution, stays there. It reduces the pixel count and stays there. So you don't have this up and down of image quality taking place while you're gaming. Um, I'll even go. I'll even go a step further. DLSS is a neat technology. I'm not going to take anything away from that, but certain games, and it only works in certain cards. And Boost works across a huge range of cards, and probably close to 85% of all the games on the market right now. Um, I, I think it's a huge difference in the way the way it takes effect. Um, and, and then as far as the image quality difference is concerned, look, if you have to take in an action game, in an action game, if you have to stop the gameplay to take a still image and zoom in to like 15% of the screen to see the difference, there is no difference. Okay, that's that's a meaningless difference. You're never going to play the game like that. So I I, I wish more people had pushed Tricks Boost. Uh, I've got a uh, I've got a 6800 here on my gaming rig on a 1440p monitor. I still run Tricks Boost even though I don't need to. I still run Tricks Boost at 90% because it stabilizes the frame rate. It it's to me it's a no brainer. It's a great feature, and I I'm really surprised more people don't push out how amazing that simple little feature is that nobody's copied yet. You know, uh, speaking of DLSS, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for it, it. It surprises me. It hasn't happened yet. I'm like, why does DLSS even need to be integrated at the game level? Like, yeah. it seems like, 
it seems like it's something that NVIDIA could just go and go and say, you know what, we're going to add an option in our drivers to say, do what Tricks Boost does and go, we'll let you set a lower resolution, like um, 10%, 20% lower, and we'll use DLSS to upscale it to whatever your target resolution is. And you could apply it doing that to all games out there. I, I would wager NVIDIA's working on something like that and it's probably more of a case of getting it to work in the way they want and and all that but it's also marketing right if if it's a game that it's a, if it's a feature implemented in a the game then they can actually push it harder than if it's something in their drivers that just works but you have to turn it on as an end right. user so um i mean there are so many applications of machine learning out there that continually come out and it's it's really impressive to see what these algorithms can do and i take nothing away from what dlss is doing it, it's pretty cool and it often works really well but man i wish it were universal and i wish that it weren't nvidia proprietary tech that it were something you could actually try on other cards that it were open sourced whatever you want to you know there's all these options that's it's not going to happen <laughs> well that's okay uh, because somebody yeah. had to be first to support more games and when nvidia catches up to sapphire let me know <laughs> we'll have you back on the show when that happens there you go <laughs> and we'll talk about the next thing we're trying to do the the idea behind tricks boost is is twofold it's to provide better performance when you need it and to give you a level of control that's not jumping up and down and around all the time but the second reason is we wanted to do something that could improve the game experience and while DLSS can do that, it can only do it for certain things. And Trix Boost does it for pretty much everything. To us, this was a quality of life feature. And I got to tell you, I'm really proud. I think it's one of the coolest things we've done in a long time. Very cool. Um, Jared, I want to talk to you about some of, you know, what you saw with your review with the 6700 XT. And, you know, Ed, get your take too, because one of the, one of the things about this design, right, is less of a focus on core counts and more on higher GPU clock. So I'm curious, looks like Jared already, that's already peaking, getting something moving in Jared's mind. I'm just curious what, you know, your guys take on that approach for today's gamers and how that affects- Wrong card. <laughs> I got them both here, Dad. Uh, so it's interesting, like for years, for so long, um, when did Intel break the, three gigahertz barrier. Let's just start there, right? <laughs> I mean, like the one gigahertz barrier was back around, gosh, it was after 2000, right? Or was it before 2000? Anyway, we broke one gigahertz a long time ago. Graphics cards I'm broke one gigahertz. Yeah, graphics card broke one gigahertz round about the uh, GTX 900 series. And uh, that'd be the R9 390X, 290, I, 290X maybe? I'd have to double check that. Fury X, those all broke the one gigahertz barrier, right? So you had like at least a decade. I, I want to say it's, okay, 1999. So you had about 13 years, 14 years, 15 years, something between G, CPUs hitting one gigahertz and GPUs hitting one gigahertz. And it's, it's partly because you've got so many transistors in the GPU switching and all that stuff. So it, it is hard to clock, you know, 17 billion transistors at super high clocks. Well, um, 
two gigahertz. Like legitimately, Ampere is the first NVIDIA GPU that can break two gigahertz. And it it's right at that threshold. Um, and it's it's with overclocking mostly. Like it, it usually runs in the 1900 to 2000 megahertz range without any end user overclocking. AMD, on the other hand, they took RDNA 2 and they say we optimized our libraries for clock speed. And it's it's such like a innocuous way of putting things, but man, they clock high. Um, so the thirty, the sixty nine hundred XT, sixty eight hundred XT, um, all of those are clocking in the two point three to two point five gigahertz range at stock, um, depending on what game you run. Then you pull out, we'll use Ed's card here, the, the Sapphire sixty seven hundred XT. At stock, it's hitting 2.5 gigahertz in a lot of games over 2.5 gigahertz. What's killer is I just finished overclocking it. Um, 2.8 gigahertz in pretty much all of the games I ran, stable. Maybe maybe 2.75, whatever. But you know that's that's a 750 megahertz higher than the competition because they optimized for clock speed and graphics. Like it's such that even if they change the pipeline and, and basically make it more pipeline stages, if you're thinking about CPU world in order to hit those higher clocks, graphics is a way more predictable workload than most CPU workloads. So you can extend the pipeline further and optimize for clock speeds without quite as many of the negative aspects. So um, if you look at 5700 XT, that was a 40 CU card with uh, 38, Oh, wait, 3840 compute core or shader processors, right? Do I have that right? Um, GPU cores. Anyway, 6700 XT, same 40 CUs, enhanced architecture, clocking easily 600 megahertz higher than the last gen. I mean, that's a huge jump. We haven't seen a 600 megahertz jump in clock speed from Intel or AMD on the CPU side in... I don't know how long it's it's been ages. So um, it's it's pretty cool to see those high clocks. There's a downside, right? And that's power. So the yes. higher clock speeds, you use more power. Um, if you look at the 6800, it's a 250 watt card. 6700 XT has two thirds the shaders, two thirds the compute units, right? So you're like, man, they should be able to cut power quite a bit. But instead, they boosted clocks quite a bit. And so its power is 230 watts. Um, so only 20 watts lower than the 6800. So it's an interesting trade-off. And honestly, I don't think it matters too much that you're you're using a bit more power than you otherwise could because, you know, hey, it's still less than the 3080 or the 6900 XT or whatever. So it's it i i think the clock speed plays a big role because i i, I want to point out something you said this and the 5700 xt have the same number of cores but the the 6700 xt is really outperforming it like you close to 30 percent clock speed accounts for a big portion of that i'm not going to take that away but there's some architectural changes in there that i think also account for that uh, RDNA 2 looks to be a really solid step forward. They've, they've really brought, AMD really brought their A game with RDNA 2. And I'm excited to see what's next. 
because this is this is amazing when you think about this. This line um, is still 1440p geared. But look at what we've had over the last couple of years. We had the 5,700. We got the 6,700. We got the 6,800. We're seeing a, a solid move into 1440p becoming a more common driven resolution. And uh, it, it, like I said, it, I, I'm excited to see what's next with the, with the next chips or, or even the next lineup of graphics cards. I can't wait to see because AMD actually commented sometime yesterday, if I recall, that they intend to bring the whole stack with RDNA 2. I can't wait to see the next card. I, I want to see what they do with the next card down. Yeah, the interesting thing about RDNA 2 for me is like it's fundamentally we don't know how much the architecture has improved over Navi first gen, right? Uh, the RDNA 1 versus how much that Infinity Cache right. covers a multitude of uh, deficiencies or whatever you want to call them. I mean, it, it, it makes a big difference. There's no denying that. So like you take... Um, Fundamentally, the 6700 XT, its its memory subsystem is identical to NVIDIA's 12 gigabyte 3060 cards. Um, there's differences in core counts and such, right? But memory bandwidth is the same. And the 3060 12 gigabyte is a far, far slower card. Um, and a lot of that has, it has to come from just the massive infinity cache, uh, 96 megabytes on the 6700 XT. It makes for a lot of uh, improvements in terms of latency and accessing things and doing all of these gaming intensive workloads. And the, the interesting bit is that infinity cache doesn't help at all with cryptocurrency mining, which is kind of like, it's a, it's, it's sort of a nice thing. Cause uh, basically Ethereum, um, which is, you know, that's all anyone is really mining with GPUs right now. Ethereum, uh, it, it's designed to use a lot of memory and it kind of randomly accesses your whole memory space. So you can't cache those accesses. It's not like, oh, well, we just accessed this locality, so we'll cache this chunk and we're gonna hit that again multiple times. It's like, no, it's here and then over here and then here and and it just skips around so much that it doesn't matter whether you have a one megabyte or a eight megabyte or a 96 megabyte cache, it doesn't really help with the cache hits on Ethereum mining. And so, so you end up with the same mining performance as NVIDIA's 30, 60, 12 gigabytes unlocked accidentally by NVIDIA's development driver. You get around 47, 48 mega hash per second after tuning. But in games, like there's, it's not even close. I, I'd have to look up the exact number, but I, I want to say like the 6700 XT is something like 50% faster than the 67, uh, than the 30, 60, 12 gig. So, uh, you know, that's... It's, well, we need real separation between cards. That's something we kind of had disappear over the years. Um, the, between various lineups, the separation wasn't as huge as it used to, as it used to be, and it's becoming again. So this makes it easier to make purchasing decisions. Well, purchasing decisions in theory. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've been waiting for you to send me a fastball. You've been softball pitching me right now. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Talk about that stock a little bit, Ed. From you know Sapphire's perspective, is there anything you guys are doing to you know deal with that scarcity and the scalpers and the bots? Well, the 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 scalpers and the bots have to be dealt with at the retailer end. Um, too many too many major retailers allow third party sellers, and many of these retailers are allowing the scalpers to resell on their site. To me, that's insidious. Because you sold the product the first time, you got a profit. Now you're selling the product the second time at a stupid, crazy price, and you're getting more money out of it. And you're saying we don't like scalpers. No, it, it that that's not cool. Um, bots again. They, there are simple solutions. AMD and Nvidia, by the way, both asked for this. Put on uh, captcha. Put on ways to stop people from doing this. So that's completely at the reseller and we can't do anything about that. Um, scarcity. I, I didn't, we talk about this last time, Jared, probably. And if I, I show I, up to your office with a $10 million briefcase and ask for as many, <laughs> uh, 6,800 cards as you can sell me, I will find you a few and make my money and go home. Um, scarcity, scarcity is a really complex issue right now much more complex than people think. And this actually goes into the pricing. And Jared and I have talked about the pricing some. Scarcity has become an issue because we just went through and are still going through a perfect storm of bad luck. Um, you've got, you've got a, a company that's responsible for production for like 50 different chips, but it's the only place that can produce the chip we need. Uh, AMD themselves compete within themselves for who gets chip space. Do you give it to the consoles? Do you give it to the CPUs? Do you give it to the GPUs? Okay, and th so they've got to think about that. Um, you, you've got the fact that the whole COVID thing didn't just create scarcity of of silicone and, and the GPUs or the CPUs, but it created whole levels of shortages across every aspect of construction. Okay. So the, the diodes and the capacitors and the, and the chokes and everything else became limited. And so you, you get this all built up and this by itself should have been a big enough mess, but it didn't stop there. Transportation costs are huge right now. They're crazy how much it's costing for transportation, and it's difficult to find it. So you, you've got the problem that you can't get the products to market as fast as you wanted to get them to market. Then you add the mining craze exploding and an unprecedented demand for the products that's, that's I don't think we've ever seen this level of demand for products outside of mining. And it, it, it's just crazy. This is a this is a market that to say it's difficult to navigate is probably one of the biggest understatements ever made in this industry. It's impossible to navigate. Uh, I, I'm a gamer. I'm like most of your audience. I, I love PC gaming. I love getting gaming parts. I love playing with stuff. And in fairness, I've got a few avenues I can get stuff that most people don't. But there's a lot of stuff that I want to get. I build systems for my family and friends that I've got the same headaches you guys have. I hate this market. I can't stand this market. Unfortunately, it's what we've got. And 
there is no simple solution. There is no way any one company can solve the supply issue. It, it's just something that's going to take time to iron itself out as everything normalizes. So we yeah, had an heels on wounds. <laughs> well, we've been waiting. <laughs> but so we had an attempt, right, to at least address the mining aspect of the scarcity on the NVIDIA side. And we saw how that went. I mean, workarounds, we kind of suspected there would be workarounds from the start. And then we have NVIDIA accidentally, you know, removing that barrier, that limiting the hashing uh, capability. And now AMD or AMD has already said, you know, that they're not going to be doing that. They don't plan on doing that um, with their cars. So I'm curious what you guys think, like, was is that even helpful to limit the hashing um, well, capability? Limiting the hashing doesn't work. They've already they've already broke it. Right. Miners so, have already broke it. That got, that got broke in release. Um, it, it it sounds like a good idea. It, it, it does. And I've discussed this with other people in the past. There are all sorts of ideas to solve this. None of them work. Because, so let's say you make a only card. You make a design just for mom. That's great. That is you breaking sell. up. You're breaking up. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Tell me when I'm back to normal. <laughs> we got you in They're like stop motion right now. <laughs> Tell me when I'm back to normal. I'm waiting. That looks, you yeah, look you okay. look now. Yeah. Okay, I'm better. Okay. So let's say you made a mining-only card. Well, mm -hmm. here's a couple of problems with that. First, you just pulled for the GPUs that are available for gaming cards. Part of the access. Second, when you sell out the mining cards, they're just going to go buy the gaming cards. So developing a mining-only card isn't necessarily a great idea because it doesn't solve the issue for the gamers um and and there are other solutions and other ideas that have pre been presented but all of them have workarounds all of them have ways around it miners want cards because they're making money they're willing to pay a ton extra for a card and they're going to put the time and the effort in to find a way around a solution that limits them yeah i i do wonder and the thing is like so NVIDIA accidentally posts this driver accidentally. I, I honestly don't know if it was an accident or not. Um, NVIDIA is not going to say that it secretly leaked it on purpose, right? But they, they've said that it was an accident. It was inadvertent. But the thing is, is the driver isn't even fully unlocked. Like my understanding is I haven't been able to test this because I only have one 30, 60, 12 gigabyte card. But if you have... Um, anything less than a than an eight lane PCI Express connection, or if you have, which basically means if you've got four cards or more as well, that you get the the lock comes back into play. So it's kind of like only targeting large scale miners, not like the the guy in his home or the person in their home with the single GPU mining in their spare time. So that that seems weird. Like, how do you accidentally leak that specific type of driver? Um, well, let's is, ask like, if Ed. I want to ask Ed because he says we ask him two easy questions. So, Ed, do you think NVIDIA, Nvidia leaked that driver? Honestly, I doubt it. I I, I doubt that they leaked the driver. Um, I know they're like taking on purpose. Some... You think it was an accident? I think it was an accident. Um, I'm I'm going to try to give them the benefit of the doubt here. <laughs> I hate bashing the competition because, well, I can do that with my product. I don't need to do that with anything oh. else. Um, and it, in, in, in fairness, 
even if they did leak it, it doesn't matter. It is what it is. We've got it out there now. We've got to deal with it. And they didn't have to leak it because there have been, I've talked to miners. They've told me this has already been done. There are hacked drivers that completely get around the lockdown. And, and so it, it sounds like a good idea on paper. It, it really does. It sounds like, hey, we care about gamers and we're going to do this and this is going to be amazing. Um, and anybody that's been around this industry more than six months knows that that got broke almost immediately. It's like copy protection in a game. You, you've got you've got too many people with too much money with a vested interest in breaking that. That got broke quick. That's, yeah, I mean, I think we all expected it to too. get broken when they announced it. I think. Well, we here's my thing. That. Like, if you're a miner in China or wherever, and you get a whole bunch of these cards, and you've managed to break the protection, like, do you go out and tell everyone that you did it and have them hounding you and saying, hey, we want your code. Hey, we want your drivers. Hey, you know, no, you do it in secret and you mine as much as you can. The other aspect being like, just look at the prices of the 30, 60, 12 gigabyte, right? There's no way that goes up to $800, $900 at launch unless the miners are unless buying it. Unless you can mine at, with it. Yep. Yep. So I I suspect like it it only looked like it was broken to journalists who um, tested it with the official drivers and didn't try all sorts of uh, back channel access things, whatever. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with hey, Ed. Yeah. I, I think it doesn't really matter. It was a publicity I, stunt. I'm going to disagree with you, though, about the uh, if I found a hack for this driver, I'd just keep it to myself and mine. Screw that crap. I'd be selling it to other miners for 100 bucks well, a pop. Right, <laughs> but you're not going to, you're not going to uh, make it a free thing that people can no, download. No, 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 because miners are in this for money. Come on. Miners exactly. are in this for money. So they, yeah, he's somebody cracked it and made some money. I guarantee you. We've talked about cryptocurrency in the past. I mean, I used to do a lot more with it, but I mean, the early days back in 2011, 12, 13, 14, uh, the first GPU miners for Bitcoin back when it was CPU only, yep. guess what? They weren't open sourced really quickly because the people who had it were sitting there going, oh my gosh, we can mine at 10 to 100 times the speed of a CPU. We're making lots of money. And that went on for a while. There was there was a coin, I don't remember which algorithm, which hashing algorithm it used, but it was supposed to be GPU and ASIC resistant. And some programmer figured out a CUDA code implementation that allowed him to mine this coin at five to 10 times the performance of CPUs and did it for weeks before kind of the cat kick got out of the bag and someone else um, figured out how to do it and open sourced their code. And then they came and they said, oh, actually we've been doing that for a few weeks already. So, you know, there was there was a vested interest in it. Nowadays, uh, I think the code has been studied and analyzed enough and there's enough people that make a lot of money with cryptocurrency mining that you don't see quite that level of of uh, shenanigans, but all it would take is a new GPU or ASIC resistant hashing algorithm, and then you'd have the same cycle would repeat. Oh, uh, someone would figure out how to do it, and it would take a month or two, and then someone else would well, open source it. Well, now we did it. have that. Do you remember uh, Grincoin? 
Uh, Green point is it was supposed to be an ASIC resistant uh, system and it came out and man, there were all these big plans. It was going to make so much money. I think it's selling for like 15 cents a coin right now. Um, (laughs) I, I don't know. There's cryptocurrency needs a stabilization to become mainstream. Uh, right now, it's a commodity. It's not really as much a currency as it is a commodity. And it, if it can stabilize its pricing, I think it could really go mainstream and become effective. But right now, it's all over the place. I mean, so the example I give to people is this. So let's say I went out and I made an Ed coin. I made an Ed coin. And I valued the Ed coin so that one Ed coin was good for one can of soda. All right. Now, using using Bitcoin or even um, Ethereum as an example. So the problem with using it as a currency is this. I sell you a can of soda, but five minutes later, my Ed coin might be worth 20 times what it was worth when I sold you the can of soda. So you got ripped off, dude. I just made a buttload of money off of you for a can of soda. But at the same point, Five minutes after I sold you a soda, it could be worth 20 times less, which means I just lost a ton of money. That doesn't work as a currency. You you can't have that level of volatility and have it be a viable currency. So there's a there, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised, though, Sherrod, because I know you got a question we discussed. Yes. Yeah, so we were talking to you here it is we've set you up <laughs> so i have so our our um our dedicated viewers will remember me maybe asking this before but i want to hear ed's take you know we talk about the miners taking away stock from the gamers in terms of graphics cards but you know they're they're also shoppers they're buying the cards with the money they're using it as they will um so you know who's to say that the gamers are more entitled to these cards than the crypto miners? They are also, you know, making legitimate per, uh, purchases. So, what do you think, Ed? Do gamers I, have a bigger claim to these cards? Do they feel I'm like I'm not sure entitled? I'm not sure entitled is the correct word. There's a there's an old saying, and I'm an old country boy. You <laughs> dance with the one that brung you, and these GPUs were brought created the entire market was made by pc gamers without pc gamers this market would have never existed it it it, there would have been no need it wouldn't have existed uh it would have eventually built into professional level cards for ai and for advanced work solutions but these reasonably priced cards designed to just do massive parallel computing for graphical purposes, without gaming, there's no reason for them to exist. You don't need them to run an Excel spreadsheet. You could show a 4K movie, for God's sake, with a potato. Um, <laughs> you, you, you don't need this. And there's a level of that amongst the PC gaming community. It's not entitled. It's like, it, think about the wife that works so hard to get her husband through college. He was in school full time. He became a doctor and everything was awesome. And then the minute he got the degree, the minute things started getting really good, he goes, oh, by the way, I'm leaving you for this woman over here. That's how gamers feel, is that we've been abandoned. 
And that's not really a fair analogy. I'll, I'll, I'll say that to other gamers. That's not really fair. It's not that the market abandoned us. It's that everything changed. And the market is still trying to figure out how to deal with this, how, how to move this. I, I know we at Sapphire, when we produce a Nitro Plus, okay, I, Jared, you've got the card. You've seen what it can do. You don't need all the features we added for, for cryptocurrency. You don't need it. We designed the card for gamers. It, it's very frustrating to many of us at Sapphire that the cards don't end up in hands of gamers because we built the card to give somebody a great gaming experience. We want to hear the stories about the cool gaming experiences you've had. And so there's a level of frustration that takes place. And, and I want the gamers to understand that because I don't think it's, I, I think a lot of people in the industry feel this way. So it's not so much that gamers feel they're entitled to the cards more than the miners. It's that they feel like the industry shoved them in the back. And I, I want to let them know, at least at Sapphire, I can speak to this. I can't speak to other companies, though I would imagine there's a level there. Um, no. We, we, we want to focus on gamers first. The market is what it is, though. You you make a product, you put a product out, you give it to retailers. Where it ends up from there, you don't have control. Well, here's a tiny glimmer of hope from uh, CC. Um, they said that Best Buy did a good job this morning with the 6700 XT going on sale, requiring entry of an emailed verification code right before checking out. So love to see. That's awesome. That's awesome. That. That's that's the you way know, you stop the the mass ordering, right? Uh, you make it hard, and you make it require human intervention, and uh, you know you're still going to get the mass quantities of buyers that are not gamers that are willing to do that for one card at a time. But yes. proportionately, they won't be able to buy as many. So that's that's well, the how do you right how do you solution. stop it? Do you do you require yeah. them to show their Steam library when they walk up to buy the card? <laughs> you I, know, it's, I, it's funny someone actually said on uh I, they said in one of my article comments I think they said they should be selling these cards via Steam. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it, it's a nice idea, right? But I'm like, Valve's not in the business you, of distributing hardware. Like, you know what would happen? To. Miners would go to Steam, they would create an account, and they would still buy the cards. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, Shane Milton is down to show his Steam library. If we were to get him a card right now, I think we'd all do like a good amount of stuff to get a card right now. Well, hey, I was, uh, yeah, was going to say, should we, actually, should we actually talk a bit about the card since I've got him here? I could. Uh, well, we can uh, talk about the card. I've been, like I said, I've been waiting. You're softballing me. I've been waiting for Jared to get serious with me because I know some of the topics we discussed he Let's wanted to see. bring up. All right. This is your Sapphire card. This is your AMD card. Let me, let me pull this okay, over here, too. I've got to make this comment, and my friends at AMD, please forgive me. I look at that card, and you know what I think? Pokemon, Team Rocket. Oh, okay. We talk about this in our R. staff room all the time. <laughs> I, I look at it. That's what I think with that big R. It's Team Rocket. You got Giovanni in the back hide, hoarding all the cards for himself. That's the most scarcity issue. <laughs> Team Rocket. I thought that was Rocket Lake. Um, sorry. <laughs> oh, uh, my so God. Tell me you've played Pokemon, Jared. <laughs> I did. Okay. I have. It's been a while, but... So, uh... Let's let's talk cards. Uh, this is the 6800. Um, 
it actually like you can't tell but it weighs almost 50 percent more i think than the 6700 it's like just barely taller um i can't show that very well and of course it's got triple fans but the fans if you look if you look close, you might not be able to see it too clearly, but these are larger fans than the 6800 fans. So you get three smaller fans or two bigger fans. Cooling was actually pretty, pretty good on the, on the reference model. And, you know, I have no real problems with it, but it is your, it, it's the baseline, right? It's the, Hey, I got the, the bare bones model. I didn't get the leather seats or the automatic doors or whatever. <laughs> um, your, your Sapphire card is very much all of the extras and you know, it's a yeah, bigger it's card. Old. Yeah, it, it's it's a bigger card. It's uh, you know you're not going to be able to cram it into a super small form factor case, but uh, I, I'm okay I'll, with I'll that. I'll challenge that. I'll bet that. Well, fit it depends on the case. In our 200, it will fit in some. It won't fit in like your tiniest cases, but you know I I'm not a huge small form factor people person Thank anyway. You, That's Ruru. just not my thing. Um, anyway, it's. Two and a half slots, substantially beefier cooling setup. Obviously, it's not just that it's it's a triple fan. The fans are larger on the outside ones, and um, they'll move more airflow. It's also slightly heavier. It's about one kilogram, whereas this card's like 700 grams, and the 6800 card is like almost 1400 grams. Um, anyway, so you know you got better cooling. Both of them still use that same six pin plus eight pin power connectors. Uh, let's angle that there. But the Sapphire cards TDP, I don't know if they actually list its TDP, but in our power measurements, it was right around two, 250 to six, 260 watts. Um, this actually came in under the 230 watt TDP. So you're looking at uh, 220 watts usually for the AMD card at stock. So you do get some differences. The big thing, though, of course, is going to be cooling um, the Sapphire card because, you know, 230 watts these days, that's that's not a whole lot to cool. But it had some of the lowest fan speeds and lowest temperatures of any GPU that I've tested recently. Um, so that translates into some serious overclocking headroom. Uh, I mentioned this kind of earlier, but yeah, I, I boosted the, the clock inside AMD's drivers to pretty much the maximum. It was a little sketchy at the maximum 2950 megahertz setting. So I, I backed off to 2850 megahertz as the maximum frequency and completed all of the tests. And the temperatures still stayed under 60 degrees because I ramped up the fan speed a little bit, but it, it wasn't loud by any means. Uh, this was also a 36 decibel card at 15 centimeters. This was like 41 decibels. So, you know, it's it's not that either one is loud, but this one's virtually silent. Um, and, you know, the, the other cards start to get louder. So really good design. I mean, I don't know. Uh, MSRP on the Sapphire Nitro Plus, Ed, is it, is it 529? Uh, I, I you over know. the list. I don't recall. Isn't it 579? <laughs> For this I haven't finished plug. writing up the review yet, so I think I, it I was five seventy nine is the MSRP. But okay, so you're you're going to give me the hard MSRP, here we go. right? <laughs> here we go. MSRP has been a joke for a couple of years. Um, depending on supply and demand, resellers have marked up crazy sometimes, and so to to be able to accurately predict a price is very difficult. And 
then you add to this. Oh, so we hear this a lot. People go, Wirecard's so much more expensive in Australia. Wirecard's so much over MSRP in Poland, so on and so forth. And, and the reason for that is there are additional costs associated, uh, usually a government-sanctioned additional cost. Uh, in the United States, we're actually getting that for the first time. Those tariffs out of China are crazy. Um, so you take a you take a four or five hundred dollar car and you mark it up twenty five percent. It 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 just gets nuts. So it's MSRP is a number I don't like. I, I I don't like it because I don't think it ever accurately reflects. And then it gets worse because so AMD gave an MSRP of four seventy nine. Was that it? Yeah. Um, but but their card is not, as you pointed out, a Mercedes Benz. It's a Yugo. A they, Yugo. They, well, I I don't know how good a quality Yugos are, so I don't mean that to me. It's a bad quality card, but it's not a a decked out performance card. It's not decked out with a custom PCB with high end components. It's not decked out with with quality of life features like uh, easily removable RGB and RGB header, a multiple BIOS. It doesn't have all those features. And that makes it easier to hit a lower price point. So when you start adding those other features, the price begins to go up. Now, traditionally, that price hike hasn't been as high as we see with this. But traditionally, those parts, those extra parts haven't cost as much as they do. Because remember the shortage we talked about on stuff like chokes and quality components. Well, not only is there a shortage, but the prices went up. Uh, I told somebody yesterday, I said, I think the only thing that hasn't gone up in building a graphics card is probably the shrouds. Um, it, it's, it, it's difficult to hit. Those are next. Yeah, those will come soon and they'll add more money. Who knows? Um, when, when you look at the two cards we're offering on the 5700 XT, we've got the pulse that's coming in about $20 over the reference design. Um, and what you're paying for there is a better cooler. You're paying for a better cooler. It's going to be cooler. It's going to be quieter. It's going to deliver a better experience. Nitro plus isn't that level of card. This is our, this is our Mercedes Benz. This is the leather bucket seats. This is the leather steering wheel. This is the 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 mother of pearl shift handle. And so when you take those factors into account, the, the pricing, it, it, it's not as terrible of an uplift as you would think it is. That's my opinion, by the way. Well, Jared, yeah, I mean, do you have like, anything we, to we would, share? Sorry, I was just going to ask you if you have anything to share in terms of numbers and performance with the Nitro card. Um, oh, sure. Should we put comparison me, to the reference? Let me pull up. Uh, I I made some charts. Let me see if I can share this. Uh, so I have like the average numbers to get us started. Like, so correct me if I'm wrong, Jared. It seems like average, like a. A, a two frames, maybe up to four frames per second. Let's see. He's got some some real numbers here. <clears throat> so there's your 1080p average gaming performance. Why is it? Oh, I guess I want it to be larger. Hey. I got All bigger. Right. Yeah, I, I zoomed it. 
Um, so you can see uh, the AMD card is sitting, you know, just above the 3060 Ti at 1080p. Mm -hmm. uh, the Sapphire card was actually basically tied with it. So um, at 1080p, you're still running into CPU bottlenecks somewhat. But also you can see that the the uh, overclocked Sapphire card, when I boosted things as much as I could, we still got a few uh, percent more performance out of it. Um, and again, cooling is probably a bigger factor here, like cooling and noise would be um, things that I would pay attention to. 1440p, uh, it's again, you know, pretty much the same old story. The Sapphire's right above the reference card when running stock, but uh, if you want to play around with overclocking, you could get a decent jump in performance, looks like 6% more. Um, and then of course, uh, 4K, if you want to go that far, you know, so, so in terms of like baseline factory performance, I was actually surprised that there wasn't more of a gap between the Sapphire and the the AMD reference card. Um, I don't I don't know exactly what's holding it back. If there's a power limit or something else that that I increased when overclocking, but uh, you know it, it did run at. Uh, let me see if I can. I've got the the uh, noise levels here because that's worth showing as well. <laughs> um, uh, give me a sec because I got to go to the right folder. Well, Jared, and while you're that. running that, let me address the performance differences because I've talked about that quite a bit in the past with a lot of people. Um, over the last few years, there's been a drastic change in the performance level of graphics cards. They're they're pushed out of the factory to very near their upper limits, and the difference between a reference card and the highest factory overclock card, with the exception probably of the toxic, um, which goes nuts and crazy. And but anyway, is usually only two to three percent. It it you don't get the factory overclock brand to brand has become less and less relevant every year. The choice of which graphics card you buy should now be made on the quality of life features the card brings you. Is it is it running cool enough? Is it running quiet enough? Does it have quality construction? Does it have the feature sets I'm looking for? And raw performance numbers, I, I mean, performance is sexy and it's fun and it's easy to quantify. Um, and quality of life is difficult to quantify. So like, for example, I could care less about RGB. I, I really could care less about RGB. But to some people, that's worth paying extra for. Uh, I could care less about certain levels of noise. Uh, I've got a Pulse 6800 and a Nitro 6800. And I can tell you that in typical gameplay, I can't tell the difference in experience. And the noise level difference is so minor, I don't care. So it, it becomes a matter of finding the feature set you want. What's going to give you what you want? And then decide if that's worth the price difference. Getting getting wrapped up into the performance difference within the same chipset, that, that's a no-win for anyone. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, this is your gaming performance. This is Well, this isn't performance. This is fan speed. You'll notice, you know, <laughs> like I said, this is this is one of the slowest moving fans. I don't I don't have every card I've tested in this chart, but you know it's under a thousand RPM 
average fan speed while looping a game for over 10 minutes. Um, you know, that's 400 revolutions per minute lower. The fan was whisper quiet. So if you care about silence, like, that's a big win for the Sapphire card. Like you can, you can get a very good performance uh, or a very good experience. Temperatures, you know, sixty degrees. Like that's pretty much as low as you need to go. Like you could spin the well, fans faster and get temperatures lower, but there's no need to, right? Well, that's the cool thing with the with the way this is designed, and with the way a lot of the cards we've got are designed. You can up that fan speed a little bit and lower the temperatures and not make that much difference in noise. You can kind of create that trade-off to, to find what you want to do. And, and while 60 is cool, the truth is the difference between running 60C and 70C in, in your gaming experience is non-existent. You're, you're yeah. not going to the extra 10 degrees is not going to make the card last longer, not in a meaningful manner. Um, it, it's sometimes I think we get caught up in this, and we get caught up in absolutes. So card A runs 65C, card B runs 70C. Well, if card B is cheaper, is that extra 5C worth it to you? And and yeah, that I, becomes, I've said this in a lot of our buying guides too. I'm like, you know, what's what's the best XYZ GPUs, you know, but what's the best 6700 XT to buy? What's the best 3080 to buy? Whatever well, GPU Sapphire you're looking at. The answer, the real answer, right, is always like, well, for most people, it's whatever is cheapest. Like, if you can save $50 and get the same GPU, like the, the 3% difference between the base model and the overclock to the extreme model, you're not really going to notice. So well, in, in gaming experience, in, yeah. in, in pure gaming experience, you're absolutely right. But, but then it's like you say, the other quality of life, but then I, I always follow up and I say, but if you care about some of these other things, yes. like noise, like dual biases, like um, RGB, you know, you don't, you don't like I, RGB. I don't really care about it, but I happen to know Sharon is a really big <laughs> fan of RGB. So I would certainly approve. I would pay. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned the $20 premium for the Sapphire cards. That is really not much at all. And we have Shane and Milton saying $20 for a quieter card is the main trade-off I'd like to make for a pricier card. All the rest is really not worth it in my opinion. So yeah, going back to your point. That's why we offer the two different models. So the idea yep. of the Nitro or of the Pulse is to, it's a more basic card. It's a simpler design. There's no RGB on it. There's no dual BIOS on it. It's it's a very simple design. It just puts a better cooler on it. Yeah, it's what the, same, you're getting from it's the, the same basic cooler as the as a Nitro Plus, right? It just doesn't have the other. Well, stuff. no, it's only a two fan cooler on the Pulse. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. So basically, we take the we take what AMD tried to do and we sapphire it and make it better. Um, it, it it's the sapphire. idea of giving you a card with no frills, but that card also at no frills isn't going to have the headroom you have for overclocking. It's not going to have the cooler that you can easily tweak up and down and make fairly significant changes without changing the noise profile. Um, it, it's not going to have RGB features. It's not going to have dual BIOS. It's not going to have easy to remove fans. So again, it, it's back to 
if you're happy with your basic graphics card, then Pulse is an amazing is an amazing card. And and I can't tell you how much I I well that's what I typically buy for my friends and family. Uh, if you're wanting that that amazing, you want to show off your RGB and you want to you want to be able to remove those fans easily to easily clean out the card and 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 you want the super quiet, super cool, then Nitro Plus is the way you go. It's the premium model. So we have a couple this, of like, questions. Yeah, go ahead, Terry. I was going to say one other thing I would say is, you know, Ed, Ed trashed a little bit on AMD's design, maybe maybe not well, that I'm badly. Not on their design. Let, let me just say, like, card. this card doesn't look bad, but, man, like, I'm not a big fan of the, the blowers of the previous gen cards um they like this one's not even that bad the vega the vega reference cards those things were terrible i uh, well maybe not terrible but they especially if you've used one for four years they (laughs) i've got a couple of blower vega cards sitting around and i they're finicky now i have to like play with fan speeds and voltages just to get them to run stock um and they're loud like uh after after playing with like the newer model cards, you, you switch to old ones and you go, wow, things have really improved. So I will say like, um, I know we've got Sapphire on here, but I, I will say like, I have no real issues at all with AMD's reference designs this time around. Like they're not perfect by any stretch, but I would not feel bad recommending them. Um, and, and it's like, like that's a good thing because the old yes. reference designs, a lot of them were pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> So it's, I've, it's good I've always that wanted to, to sit down with some engineers and see if we couldn't make a more efficient blower card. I, I can't believe we can't make a better blower card. I honestly feel like NVIDIA did about as good as you could get with blowers. Their, their uh, GTX 10 series, um, I, I think their blowers, that, that was probably as good as you could get. And they, they were decent, but when you got up to the... Uh, what was it? The the Titan XP or what was that? Yeah, that's the right one. Anyway, there no the Titan V had a blower, right? That yep. card <laughs> that well, shows the limits of blowers. Like it, look, you had to crank the fan on that to get the Titan V to to run at its at its rated boost clock. Um, whereas like the less, lesser stuff, you could do that. Uh, well, look without. at a blower. Look at a blower design. The typical blower design is a fan at this end, and then you take in a Coke can and you folded it to make some fins, and you stuck it on the GPU and you blow air across it. There's yep. got to be a better way. Maybe. I mean, like, I, I'm not an engineer of that level, but, you know, they they do va- they do all the phase chambers, vapor chambers, and all that stuff to try and remove heat as, as efficiently as they can. But at some point, it runs into that problem of, like, you got to move air to cool the card, and right. it's easier to move more air with more fans. Exactly. <laughs> Simple. More fans and less um... airflow restrictions. Let's see if we could squeeze in a viewer question because we are running close to the end of our hour. We have one from Tactical Center on um, the 6900 XT, actually. So Tactical Center asks, why doesn't the 6900 XT go to its max 3 gigahertz limit and only matches a 6800 XT max clock of 2.7 to 2.8 gigahertz? 
So is that what you saw in your testing, Jared? And do you have? Yeah, that that seems about right. Like basically, you know, the 6900 XT and 6800 XT, they're still the same Navi 21 GPU. And that one, you know, whatever, it's probably power related, like trying to pack that much clock speed into a small area, they start running into limitations. Um, with the with the Navi 22, they have a little bit more headroom. It might be voltages as well. I, I don't know what all AMD did, but certainly I, I feel like Navi 21 just doesn't clock as high as Navi 22 can. And, you know, it, it applies to all of the GPUs. So it doesn't matter whether you're looking at the 6800, the 6800 XT or the 6900 XT, you're not going to be able to like you can almost never run at the maximum supported overclock in the drivers unless you're doing like liquid nitrogen or something equally crazy because like they, that limit is there for the we'll try and protect you from going too far but uh, most cards can't hit it i know if, if i set the slider to maximum and hit apply on a 6900 xt it's gonna lock pretty much instantly um, as soon as i load a game so you know they they didn't design it to actually hit 3000 um it's there for you to try to get if you want to do other stuff to your card but uh, i wouldn't expect you to be able to hit that awesome well thank you to all our viewers today you guys are the best i love hearing your opinions um so if you love hanging out with us too, hopefully you do, and you can like us on Facebook or subscribe to us on YouTube to prove it. Um, you could also download the show as a podcast, so don't forget if you want to take us on the go. So Jared, thanks as always for your detailed work and your great benchmarks, love having it. And of course, our special guest, Ed from Sapphire. Uh, do you have any last words for our viewers, Ed? Yes, please buy Sapphire cards. I don't want to eat ramen noodles anymore. Um, no, please seriously. Go out, go out and buy the video card. Enjoy, your, enjoy the video cards you've got. Buy, buy a new one. Go play some games. Go play some games. Enjoy what you have. Don't worry about what everybody else has. Play the games you enjoy the way you enjoy them. And that, that's been my mantra for years. I, you know, I saw a quote that it's it's really true it says comparison is the thief of joy it is <laughs> which i laugh because i'm like I'm, all i do for my job is compare <laughs> things right but i'm like man if if you didn't know the 3090 existed and all you had was a gtx 970 you could still play a lot of games and be very happy with the experience and it's only when you start seeing those charts and you go oh i'm missing out i'm <laughs> we'll, like well, we'll take you we'll take you a little over with this um up at my father-in-law's, I used to have a computer we called the Northern Command Center. And that was for when we go up, because when we went up to see him, we spent a week, 10 days. And I wanted a gaming rig. So I built a little gaming rig. And this is like a, an Intel, what was it? 8700K. And it had a 380 in it. Now, when it was built, that was pretty new. But up until just probably a little over a year and a half ago, that was still letting me game at 1080p and having a blast playing games. Um, upgrade when you need to. Upgrade when your components are are lagging and you're not getting a great gaming experience. People rush to upgrade because they think they need to. Uh, if your gaming experience isn't suffering, you're fine. Enjoy what you got. 
Real quick, Ed, do you have a Twitter account for the viewers to follow? I or do, but Ed okay, Chrysler. hold on. I need to get it. I'm I'm a little brain dead right now. Hold on a moment. Um, it's just my at, Twitter at, at account, Chrysler, right? Is <laughs> yes, it's at Ed Chrysler. So it's at E D C R I S L E R. And if they want to follow, now I've been a little inactive. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to get into all the reasons why, but it's going to get better over the next delivering few toys weeks. for Christmas. <laughs> all right well um, yeah go ahead I, I was just gonna say thank you guys for letting me do this i love doing these shows yeah we love having Good you we'd love here, to have Ed. you back on Anytime. Um, so yeah we'll we'll see you all next thursday that's our show thank you again